Dave Bailey was here last week. I don't know if you ever saw, I don't know if you were here last week or not. He, he's incredible. And um, I have a strong admiration for him because um, I don't have as much energy as he has. And he's like, I don't know how much older than me, but trust me, he's older than me. And, um, and what he does is so powerful. He, he takes kids um, that need a paradigm shift. Do you know what a paradigm shift is? It, 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 it's like it moves you from one place to another in a short amount of time. Something happens. And um, these kids have been traumatized. They've, they've uh, experienced some of the worst of life. And he, he brings them in and he gives them an opportunity for a paradigm shift into something different, something more profound, something something wonderful. It's powerful stuff. Maybe you've had paradigm shifts in your life at different times. Um, a couple weeks ago, we, uh, we celebrated the, uh, the 50th anniversary of landing on the moon, right? Did you see any of the video? I, I'm not, well, maybe... I don't know if I'm a conspiracy person or not. I guess, I'll, I guess you know, there, there's a little bit of me in there, right? So, so did we really land on the moon, right? Anyway, anyway, we did. We landed on the moon. But, but I, I'm always amazed at how I saw, I saw these pictures of the, 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 the capsule, right, landing on the moon. And I'm like, how is that possible Who's on the moon already with a camera? Because that's the first person on the moon, right? So, so I was so curious. I'm like, I got to figure this out. I, I'm, I'm not naive enough to not think that like there's a legitimate answer to the question. So I went to the original CBS footage and I watched it. And lo and behold, as the ship is, like they're counting down, it's like, 40 seconds and 39. And as they're counting down, the rocket ship is coming down. And I'm like, I knew it. It's a fake because there's no way there's a camera guy on the moon showing this. And, and then 10 seconds later, as it's getting closer and closer, and I'm like, it even looks fake. It's terrible. And then all of a sudden on the bottom, it starts flashing. CBS simulation. <laughs> right? And I'm like, oh, so no one ever really saw it land. It's always been a simulation, and I'm like 100 years old and don't even know that. So anyway, anyway, that was, that was, uh, that was a big step, right? The year before, there was a, a, a lunar module not landing on the moon, but, but orbiting it. And, um, and a famous picture came out of that. I think we have a picture of it. That's not it. That's it. That's from 1968, right around Christmas time. And the astronauts up there were supposed to be, had strict orders to take pictures of the surface of the moon. But what they saw, instead of a sunrise, they saw the earth rise, and it was so astonishing to them that they took pictures of it, and, and 
one of the comments was that everything in space is black or white except this little ball suspended in the middle of nothing. In 1990, Carl Sagan gave a, a, a commencement address uh, on a picture that was taken on Valentine's Day uh, by Voyager 1. This, this was a paradigm shift for the astronauts. Um, they, they were going to give a, a, an interview on Christmas Eve in 1968. And, uh, and NASA let them know that probably this was the largest audience that would ever hear a speech ever. So they should pick their words carefully, right? And does anybody know what they read? What they read Genesis one, because other other than the astonishment that a, that God could do pull something off like this, what what else could be said? And that's what they read, Genesis 1, the, the account of creation. Um, Carl Sagan, who isn't a Christian, but isn't an atheist, so I guess that puts him in like an agnostic category. Um, he, uh, he gave a commencement speech, ge genius, brilliant scientist, um, gave a commencement speech on this picture uh, of Voyager 1, um, in Voyager 1, I don't know if you remember, it was sent to just go and keep going. And it got to the edge of the solar system, and then NASA told it to come back and take some pictures of the planets before it did its final exit. And this was one of the pictures that it took, and, and you see the color of the sunbeams coming through. And um, Earth is in there. Can you see Earth? If I was 11 feet tall, I could point to it for you. It's in this sunbeam, and it's a little white speck. Do you see it? Let me read to you what he wrote about this speck. Huh? You find it? Carl Sagan wrote this. He said, look again at that dot. What he wrote here kind of provided a paradigm shift for me, a little one. Look again at that dot. There it is. That's home. That's us. On it. On it. Everyone you've loved. Everyone you've known. Everyone you've ever heard of. Every human being who ever was lived out their lives there. The aggregate of our joy and suffering, thousands of confident religions, ideologies, and economic doctrines, every hunter and forager, Every hero and coward, every creator 
and destroyer of civilizations. Every king and peasant, every young couple in love, every mother and father, hopeful child, inventor and explorer, every teacher of morals, every corrupt politician, every superstar, every supreme leader, every saint and sinner in history of all of our species lived there on on a moat of dust suspended in a sunbeam. I think those words are so powerful. The Apostle Paul in his letter to the church in Colossae, the, the letter to the Colossians, he had a paradigm shift. He had a change in perspective that changed his life as did many people back then when they heard the good news of Jesus Christ. And he's trying to express that awe and amazement in his words about the events that happened. So we're going to read from 1 Corinthians 15, verses 15 through 28, and I'd like to invite you to stand out of respect for these words. The sun is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, And in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to, to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and all that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Now rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions. 
for the, very, for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by, my commission, by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of his mystery, of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may be present so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. So he wrote this in the midst of a problem because there were, they were in the Roman Empire, and if you know anything about Roman history, there were hundreds of gods, and it was like the religion of the state. And Jesus was not part of that, and Judaism was not part of that, but there's, there's, there were a bunch of religions, just like there are today, and they're all trying to kind of synthesize this thing that's happened in Jesus Christ, or not all of them, but some of them are trying to synthesize it. So in the, in the New Testament, you have extensive writing about the Judaizers, and the Judaizers were Jews who were trying to tell new followers of Jesus Christ who weren't Jewish, that they had to become Jewish to become a Christian or a follower of Jesus. And that's not true. You had, you had people um, back then and even today saying that in order to be a Christian, you have to live by this set of rules. You have to live by the Ten Commandments or you have to do good works or you have to... And, and, um, and that's not true. What's true in that is that by, t- by becoming a Christian, it changes you in a way where you want to do good works, and then you end up doing good works. So when someone says that you can, be, you can tell by someone's fruits whether they're a Christian or not, well, it's not that they have to do that. They have to do X, Y, and Z. It's that you can tell by the way they love people Because Jesus tells us to love as we've been loved. That's our command. We've been saved by God's grace through Jesus Christ and our faith in him. We don't have to live by the Ten Commandments, but we recognize living by the Ten Commandments brings fruit in our life. So we want to. We try to but it doesn't save us. So Paul was, Paul was in the midst of this, trying to clarify what has happened. And over the next few weeks, we're going to talk more. We're going to stay in Colossians, and we're going to go through it and see what's happening and how he's teaching. But this is the introduction to that. And what he's trying to do is he's trying to create this paradigm shift for the people. And he's trying to, if, if you had to figure out how to tell people who Jesus Christ was, how would you do it? What would you say? How would you, how would you encapsulate the fullness of that in your words? Because all words fall short of God. 
So Paul is being challenged not only to express who Jesus was and who God is and how it works out in this big grand plan, but he's limited by the vocabulary and the awesomeness of God. He's he's limited to be able to express the awesomeness of God. What's been a paradigm change in your life? What What has caused a shift? Has it been the birth of a child? Maybe the death of a spouse. Has it been a traumatic moment, a near-death experience? Has it been a, a guardian angel moment? Or a piece of wisdom that somebody offered you out of love and changed your life? I have, um, I have teenagers now. I, well, I have one adult <clears throat> who's still a teenager. Um, but, you know, I, I use, <laughs> I remember, I, I, have a, I have a master's degree in counseling psychology, and I remember vividly a couple of moments in my life that were kind of that that have par- that are part of my paradigm shift where I, w- I was like 25 or so and uh, and I'm all smart with my college degree and all the psychology that's been crammed in my head and no practical experience nor wisdom to know how to use it but I didn't know that at that point and I'm sitting at my I'm sitting at my dining at my parents dining room uh, like counter and, and I'm telling my parents what they did wrong <laughs> I have learned now that I have kids that I will never, ever criticize a parent because it is the hardest job in the world. And there have been books written about parenting, but I'll tell you, every one of you is different and every personality is different. And you know, if you've had kids or if you tried to work with other people, which is everybody, how difficult it is. But... I'm in the process of trying to create paradigm moments for my teenagers. So I'm talking to them about important things in life, talking to them about how important it is to stay away from drugs and alcohol, and talking about how important it is to save, save their virginity, uh, you know, no sex until marriage. I'm talking to them about, about relationships. You know, they're in the boys and girls are so different. I, my oldest is, a do, is my daughter, and then I have two boys, and, a, and Claire is little. She's not there yet. But the older ones, like to talk about relationships and girlfriends and boyfriends to girls versus boys is totally, totally different. And, um, and I get the boys because I am one, and I, I have all brothers, and I, you know, but I don't get the girl thing, so I don't do well with that, so I let Denise do that. Um, but I'm trying to, t- you know, I'm trying to instill in them like they're they're experimenting with dating and relationships and and you know when I went through it, I, I had a couple of serious girlfriends and I tell them I had a couple of, I had, I had a high school sweetheart and I had a college sweetheart and when I broke up with the high school sweetheart I thought that was the end of the world. And then a year later I met my college sweetheart. 
And we did, and then it wasn't so bad anymore. And then when we broke up, I thought it was the end of the world. And you know, we, we talk about how God answers prayers, right? I, I tell you all the time, God always answers prayers. He answers prayers, yes. He answers prayers, not yet. And he answers prayers, I have something better for you. And I talk to them about how there's, there's chemistry and there's all kinds of stuff and, and you'll find somebody and because I'm trying to avoid, I'm, I'm not a drama person, I get enough drama in different areas, but, um, but I'm not a drama person, so I'm trying to keep the drama in my boys to the minimum and they're good with me, they don't tell me certain things and I thank God for that, but um, they tell Denise and then Denise tells me in a way that, See, it, my, high, my, high school, my high school sweetheart wasn't the right one, and my college sweetheart wasn't the right one. My wife is absolutely the right one because she knows how to take all of this information and chunk it into a way that I can, that I can get it in bite-sized chunks and not like freak out and, and go crazy. So anyway, I'm trying to, you, try, you try to download all that stuff to the kids. You know, we're... I, my wife and I have fallen in love with foster care. And, and we do it because I feel so bad for the parents and, and the children. But I want to be a support to the parents because I know that it, the life I lived before I made a commitment to Jesus, like I could have very easily been one of those parents. And it's only by God's grace that that. I made my way through, and I prayed for these parents that, that struggle with drugs and alcohol and different things. It's called paradigm shifts. And as a parent, if you've had kids, you're downloading that to your kids, and it's so hard at times because you don't get it. They don't get it. It's tough. The words might not fit. Paul is trying to give the church the words to shift the paradigm. And he's like telling them, look, look, the universe, it's amazing. And God created it all. And the God that created everything that is actually came in the physical flesh of Jesus Christ and walked around with us. And he taught amazing things and he healed people. And everywhere he went, he created paradigm shifts in people's lives, so they came to know this incredible God who loved them so much. And then when he took the cross, that was like the ultimate paradigm shift. You, do you feel guilty about your sin? I feel guilty all, all the time about my sin. And I know I can, because of Jesus Christ, I can go and, and let that be and not be guilty. So powerful, and he's writing this, and he's trying to keep that church on track with the truth and not let it get corrupted and polluted by all of these other ideas that are trying to push in on it. And I think as Christians, we're in that boat all the time. 
we go outside into the society, and not only are we trying to convey the truth of Jesus Christ and God and how wonderful God is and how God loves everybody so much and forgives you and, and Jesus came, all, all, the whole package, we're trying to give that to people. They're trying to give us their ideas and their paradigms and their challenges to Christianity. So the next few weeks, I hope you, I hope you can come back consistently and, uh, and be with me in this journey through the book of Colossians or the, the letter to the church in, in Colossians, to the people of Colossians, the Colossians. <laughs> On that, it's time for me to stop, so, or it's just going to get worse. <laughs>